lovely people, and welcome back to Smodcap. Oh, no, that's not us. Is it not? No. Have you been whoring yourself out again? Hello, lovely Who is people, this person? and welcome Why have back I never to... heard of them? Hey, what? You, you, you're going off with other podcasts? No, I'm not. Hello, lovely people, and welcome back to Comic Book Guys. Oh, no, that's not us either. Another one? Yeah. You don't watch Kevin Smith's Comic Book Guys, do I you? I don't know. You put me off it. Actually, it's not awful. I quite like seeing all the comics and stuff. There was one this week where a guy came into the shop mm-hmm. with John Buscema artwork from the Silver Surfer. Okay. It was really quite nice. This briefing is from file A56-7W. Classified top secret subject is... Hey, kids! Comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. to Hey Kids Comics, your weekly speed through comics old and new. See what you did there. See what you did there. I'm Andrew Leyland, Scarlet Speedster, and my illustrious co-host is... Michael Leyland. Kid Flash. Also see what you did there. Uh, it's pretty clever, isn't it? If that cack-handed amateur introduction doesn't tell you this week that we're doing The Flash, then I'll be Gorilla Grodd's uncle. Well, you hurry enough. <sighs> the Flash is a character I only had a smattering of knowledge about as a kid, as he was never really one that sustained his own book over here, never really broke out into the published consciousness in the UK. He had a few appearances in the black and white monthly reprint magazine The Superheroes, where I first read a reprint of Showcase number 4, introducing the Barry Allen Flash, and he showed up in some Justice League of America stories that were reprinted and guest appeared with Superman in and on the cover of Superman Annual 1981 in Chase to the End of Time, a reprint of DC Comics Presents 1 and 2, but other than that I knew very little about him. I picked up a few issues of the US comics when I had the money in, when I saw them, and I seemed to recall he was dealing with the death of his wife or something at the time. I liked them well enough, but the character never really grabbed me much that I became a regular reader. I became much more familiar with Wally West, who at the time was Kid Flash in the Wolfman Perez Teen Titans book. What do you know about the Flash, Michael? Well, he was always on Justice League Unlimited. He was, yes. That voiced was. by Michael Rosenbaum. And I knew that there was an other Flash who died, and that was about it, until I read Crisis. And that was about it, until I read Rebirth re- quite recently. Okay. So, hmm. so he's, he's Wally West in Justice League, isn't he? Yeah, he's always been around. Yeah. He's never been, like, Superman and Batman and something. See, he's a lot more... He's a lot better known in America, isn't he, because of the Super Friends and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Big Bang Theory. And Big Bang Theory, and having his own 90s television show, obviously. Yeah. Probably helped. Probably. Because he's considered one of DC's big seven, isn't he? The Flash. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Uh, in 1985, the aforementioned Crisis on Infinite Hearths hit... Hearths hit? Hearths. The Crisis on Infinite Hearths. <laughs> uh, and Barry Allen... 
who was the Flash at that point, met his maker saving the world. Wally West, Kid Flash, stepped into the red suit to honour his mentor and gained his own title in 1987. Since about last summer, I have mentioned on the show a few times that by attending Comic Foes, I've been able to pick up almost a complete run of this series in the 50p and pound bins and finally started reading it just before Christmas. I'll be honest... The Mike Barron, William Messner-Lobe stuff was often a chore to get through. Was it? Yeah. That bad? No, it's not bad, per se. It just seemed that the writers forgot they were supposed to be writing an entertaining superhero book about a guy in red who can move really fast and thought they were writing a Day in the Life soap opera about a guy in his early 20s who just happened to be a superhero in his spare time. Fair enough. And it was... It's not all. Who was the artist who drew his head like a... A block, and then drew a tiny little face in the middle. I don't remember. Like his face, his mouth would be a tiny little pout, and he'd have tiny eyes and a tiny nose. But his head would be a massive block. I don't know what you're talking about, but I believe you. I don't doubt what he, you're saying. He was a flash artist in the nineties, uh, late eighties, I think. Jackson Geis wrote, uh, drew it for a bit. Then Greg, Greg Laroc came on, which is this guy in the books we're going to cover tonight. Maybe before or after. Maybe, it's very true. And, so, and there was also the thing that Mike Barron portrayed Wally as a male gigolo who slept around with anyone and everyone that would have him, and even once with a married woman, yeah. Tina McGee, who would appear in altered form in the Flash TV show with Barry Allen. Okay. So that was a bit confusing for people who watched the telly and read the comics. Uh, Mess and Loeb's would tone this aspect of Wally's personality down, but neither writer portrayed Wally as especially likable. He was a bit of a arrogant ass in a lot of a cases. A bit of a Mark Wade. No, I don't think Mark Wade's an arrogant ass. I quite like Mark Wade. I find him quite funny. Yeah. Uh, that all changed in issue 62. When did you see what Michael did there? <laughs> Tread on my punchline. Uh, when Mark Wade came aboard as writer and promptly hit the ground running. Uh, oh yes, I'm probably going to do more really bad running puns. Uh, with a four-part Flash Year One story out that put emphasis on Wally's origin, his early days as a speedster, his relationship with his aunt Iris and Barry Allen, and how he learned to be the Flash. In four issues, Wade got that this was a superhero book first and foremost. He followed this up with the team up with Aquaman, the return of Abracadabra, the four-part crossover with Green Lantern, the return of another old villain, Dr. Alchemy, but didn't forget the characterisation taking Wally and his on-off-again relationship with his girlfriend Linda Park firmly to on-status and reintegrating the original Flash, Jay Garrick, into the cast of supporting characters. Wade would also make Wally a much more likeable and relatable character. He kept his cockiness and confidence but toned down some of the other elements, such as the mistreatment of his friends, his selfishness and his arrogance and all the while despite all the great work Wade was doing with Wally the letters just kept asking for Barry Allen back how infuriating that must be must have been must have been so Wade would give them Barry Allen back do you know the old adage be careful what you wish for be careful what you wish for when you ask a writer to give you something because they may not give you what you want but they may give you what you need. The story began in it's issue so 72. That's what I thought. Pretty deep, that, wasn't it? It's pretty deep for me, that. Deep what, meaningful. What's, what's going on here? I'm like you? a river. I'm calm on top. Calm but on underneath, top. underneath, it's churning. Churning. On top. <laughs> on top, down below. On top, lad. On top, calm, peaceful. Underneath, churning. 
Like a bad belly. Like a bad belly ache after a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, the story we're covering today begins in Flash number 72, with a very brief appearance of a man-shaped figure reconstituting himself during the battle between Flash and Dr. Alchemy. Flash doesn't witness this. Issue 73, a wonderful little Christmas issue that with minimal rewriting could have worked as an episode of the TV show, had a final page cliffhanger in which Barry Allen, having been dead for a few years at this point, rolls up on the doorstep on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, Wally. Issue 74 came out on January 12th, 1993 with a March 93 cover date. It sported a cover by Greg LaRock and Roy Richardson of tons of flashes with a banner reading Too Many Speedsters at the top of the page. They're actually in a hall of mirrors, which will become plain in the story. It also could be seen as a subtle nod to the ultimate antagonist of the story. Could it? The Flash looking in a mirror. Ah. Yeah, you see. Stop being so deep. I'm deep, me. You're so deep, you're going to go out and take black and white photos. Yes, I'm going to take black and white arty photos of people, and they'll be blurry, but the backgrounds (laughs) will be clear. Or a close-ups of things. An empty rocking chair blowing in the breeze. (laughs) But but, but you'll have it so that the uh, the chair is in the bottom corner. Because it's symbolic, see? Oh, yeah. Anyway, it was written by Mark Wade, with art by LaRock and Richardson, lettered by Tim Harkins, coloured by Matt Hollingsworth, and edited by Brian Augustin and assists by Ruben Diaz. It was entitled Trust. Not Trust. Well, yeah, the U is elongated, for reasons that I don't quite understand. Uh, One week later... Barry has explained to Hal Jordan and Jay Garrick how he was seemingly resurrected by Dalton? By Timothy Dalton. Alright then. (laughs) I'll take your word for it. Okay. I I think I read a different issue than you. Possibly. Timothy Dalton wasn't in the one you read, was he? Um, Dr. Alchemy, I meant to say. His energies are all seemingly reconstituted, but he remembers nothing. He wandered around until he saw the Flash statue and stole his costume from the Flash Museum and came to see Wally. He remembers bits and pieces, but not a lot else. Hal is convinced he's telling the truth and informs Wally as much. Hal leaves as Green Lantern, he was what's parallax, you know, and Barry debates, telling his parents about his resurrection. He's asked Hal not to tell the rest of the Justice League yet while he comes to terms with it himself. Barry sees the Pied Piper walking nonchalantly down the street and attacks him. Wally breaks it up and informs him that they are friends now and that things change. The Piper, calling Wally Flash, is one of those changes. Everybody knows his secret identity in this. Did you get that? Another is that Wally is no longer Kid Flash. Barry seems to take that well and after Jay turns down the offer to join them, they run off after handsome Jack Giacomo, who has a death mark on him from the new boss in town. Three pro-snipers have been hired to kill. Wally knows that a hit like that could cause a gang war with serious repercussions for the city. And it's very good that Pied Piper knew all of this, otherwise we wouldn't have anywhere yeah. else to go with the story. They race over to Central City Amusement Park. Every New Year's Eve, Handsome Jack rents the entire place. Jack confines in the Flashers that he... Maybe we shouldn't call them the Flashers. <laughs> but he lets the word out that there's a hit on him, knowing the Flash would watch his back. Wally finds the first sniper and removes him from the game. Barry takes out the second one. The third one, however, is more elusive, hidden in the mirror maze as Jack enters. Wally locates him and stops him from opening fire as Barry pushes Jack to the floor. Outside, Jack's men say they'll take care of the snipers, but Wally knows what that means and says he'll take them to the police. 
then he and Jack will be having a chat about this new boss in town. Barry says he has to leave. As the new year is welcomed in by fireworks, Barry visits the grave of his wife, Iris Allen. Seeing the old Ferris wheel where he proposed to have brought it all back, Wally shows up and says he's sorry for doubting him. Barry's death left a wound that never fully healed and he was suspicious about Barry not mentioning Aunt Iris. Barry says he felt guilty. He'd come back and she hadn't and he didn't know how to live without her. But here he has a second chance. Wally and Barry race off into the night. I think we should point out at this point we are going to spoil this story. Oh yeah. But I think it's kind of understood that if you're going to listen to our show... Kind of get what you're we're, we're kind of going to ruin it, yeah. I kind of find it a bit funny that he's going all moody about him being brought back to life and her not, and him not being able to go on without her. Yes, given he how it... Set, given how he remarried after she died. Did he? I'll come to more of that later. Barry Allen didn't remarry after Iris Allen died. He almost did. Yeah, but he didn't. Very almost. He ends up back with Iris Allen after the trial of the flash. Because he left her in the church. The, the marriage went ahead, but he didn't bother showing up. Oh, alright. I'll take your word for that. Uh, we'll get into that later on. Uh, page one of this issue is... Um, the splash page is fantastic. It's a lovely little flashback to Crisis on Infinite Earths with Wally holding the Flash costume and the ring on a barren world where Barry met his death. I suppose we should point out people unfamiliar with the Flash. Mm. Barry Allen had a ring on his, his finger that he kept his costume in did no one ever wonder why Barry Allen wore a ring with the Flash's symbol on it kept his hand in his pocket all just time. like did no one ever wonder why Hal Jordan wore Green Lantern's ring keeps it in his locker does he yeah. what if he needs it quickly then he runs would the it not make more sense to have it on a chain round his neck under his shirt it might have been yeah anyway Pitch, did you have anything to say about that well um do you notice that Hal Jordan has a uh, white side burst yeah, what, when they're burying Barry Allen? Well, he, he does now anyway. He, yeah, but he, he shouldn't have white sideburns on panel three of page two, should well, he? No, he shouldn't. Because he, that was after Crisis. It was, he got them... Hal Jordan wasn't in the Crisis. He got, no, he wasn't. He, he got them after the 1990s reboot and Emerald Dawn, but had them in Emerald Dawn 2, which takes place during the final issue of Emerald Dawn 1. But he didn't have them in Emerald Dawn 1. Okay. Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. But he shouldn't have him. He definitely shouldn't have him on panel too, should he? Just call it art. Just call it a goof. Well, yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, and in page three. Yes. So uh, Barry Allen didn't come back for the Speed Force and an unknown entity reverse engineering him back into existence, which means that it's not the real Barry. Well, uh, uh, not no, okay, because if it's the real Barry then he should have come back from the Speed Force, which I know he does. Which I'm assuming Wade hasn't got around to creating yet, then. The Speed Force has not been mentioned in my reading of The Flash. It has. No, in these. It has. Has it? Well, It's mentioned in an episode we'll be covering next week. Is it? Yes. I don't remember. They, they don't actually say Speed Force. No, but you know that equation that Max Mercury or Johnny Quick tells Oh, is with? that setting up the Speed Force? Yes. I thought that when I read it. And Mark Wade even says at the back where he says that gibberish that Johnny Quick That will come saying. in useful later. Yeah. Yes, he does, doesn't he, in his epilogue at the end. Yes, he does. So is that leading into the Speed Force? Because yep. I've read past this now. I've yeah. read the next four-part story and that's still not got the Speed Force mentioned in it. Yeah. It's just a, a team-up with Nightwing and Starfire. But it's good. Right, I see. I was wondering when that was going to come into it. Uh, page four. There's a nice 
subtle continuity references here to the trial of the Flash from Flash 322, 350-ish. See, I'm not really a believer that continuity is a hindrance to storytelling. Like Didio and all that lot of saying that's why they've revamped the universe but yeah. then kept Batman and Green Lantern as they were. It's You simply just ignore what you don't want to deal with and embrace what you do. Here, Barry remembers the trial, but he doesn't expand on it. So for older reasons... God, I'm struggling tonight, aren't I? For older readers, this is a nod to those events that haven't been forgotten. And for newer readers, it's a good acknowledgement that these characters have lives and experiences that maybe we weren't privy to. He also references Crisis 7, given that his death is probably something that he'd remember. Yeah. All things considered. No footnote for Crisis 7, though. Well, there is a footnote for See the Final Issues of Barry's Flash series. But no issue numbers, which is a bit stupid. Oh, well, uh, Barry was put on trial after he killed Professor Zoom, who killed Iris, and then he tried to kill the woman that Alan was engaged to after her death. Right. And so he killed him while she was waiting in the church to get married. Right. So the woman he was going to marry after Iris died was the woman that Professor Zoom was going to try and kill like he killed Iris. Right. But Barry said, no, I'm not letting you do this twice. And that's then that's why he goes on trial. Yep. Right, I see. Very good. Page six is quite interesting. The Pied Piper, who Barry attacks, thinking he's still a bad guy, mm-hmm. has gone straight at this point, which is ironic, given that he's gay. <laughs> is he actually? Boom! Yes, he is. Oh, okay. Yes, the Pied Piper's gay in these stories. I don't know. I don't know if he was gay before this, yeah. and they just, if it was always subtly alluded to. Well, from the Rogue's events that I've read, there's nothing about him being gay there. Uh, maybe it's a different Pied Piper now. Might be. I've no idea. He looks very dark and grim, and does he? Whereas he's quite fun in this. Being bad jokes aside, the Pied Piper's coming out was very sensitively handled by William Messner Lopes during his run on the book. And there was a really good issue where he just came out and told him. He said to Wally, you know, gay, right? And Wally was really uncomfortable and was like, oh, right, don't know how to deal with this. I'm going to run off now because I've got somewhere over there don't, to, don't, to don't, be. Don't hug me. You're yeah. me and, but ultimately he gets over it yeah. and he accepts that oh, he's he has a friend. To he's a role model now. Well, yeah. Um, it was one of the most subtle pieces of writing in comics to deal with this subject far more subtle than Marvel's handling of North Star's coming out. Mm. Or have you seen the recent uh, Hulkling and what's-his-face from the Young Avengers? Who, what, with the word now? Well, well, you know the Young Avengers book? Yes, I'm aware of it. Well, well, they, they did a big splash page to do to kiss him. What's wrong with that? Well, well, I've not read Young Avengers, but from what I've been reading, it was something that's really frowned upon, or something that fans have been waiting for a long time. Depending on... What side of the argument you're on? Honestly, I don't understand why it's an issue anymore. It's the 21st century. (laughs) We've got far more important things to be worried about. Mm. Uh, Predictably, the letters page of The Flash was very similar. There were letters from readers who were not happy about this development. Were they not? No. And, uh, you know, well, I'm very live and let live, me, though. Fair enough. I'm not. You live your life how you want to live your life. I don't really care. To my knowledge, Pied Piper was straight... Um, criminally speaking right um, until Rogue's Revenge at the end where he attempts to kill Inertia so, but is it the, still the same Pied Piper I've no idea 
Because, like, like I said, the Piper in Rogue's Revenge is pretty much Batman in green. Right. Okay. Fair enough. And he has uh, he has armies of mice following him. Uh, all right. Uh, page seven to get back to our comic, which is a superhero comic. It really is. Oh, it's a very fun superhero comic. Uh, while he's really not handling Barry's return very well at all, is he? He planned on telling Barry about the Flash thing, but hadn't got round to it. This does beg the question that has Wally not had to be the Flash for the past week? Or has he been doing it in secret? So Barry's not seen any news reports about the Flash doing stuff. Mm. And gone, wait a minute, that maybe wasn't me! Maybe he's gone really, really fast that no one saw him. <laughs> Possibly. So he's been doing it in secret then. Which is what I just said. Well, maybe Page he wasn't bothering doing it in secret, he's just so fast he can't help it. Yeah, true. Page 8. Uh, whilst I am of the opinion that the Flash has one of the best costumes in comics... I really do like the subtle differences between the two. Barry's costume is a lighter red and yellow and the belt goes all the way around the waist. Wally's costume is a darker hue in both red and yellow and the belt tapers to a point just below his abdomen. Wally also doesn't have wings on his boots like Barry does. And Wally has Batman eyes. Yeah. He has those little white eye pieces where his eyeballs should be, whereas Barry doesn't. Barry makes a pretty good gag about that. Mm. Doesn't he? People trust you when you see when they see your eyes. Yeah, no, I don't mind the costume, but the eyes are going to take some getting used to. Well, uh, judging from the, the costume comparison here, mm. the not so current Wally West costume we see in Rebirth and Blackest Night are the same as his costume here. So when does he change his costume into the not so shiny I hold Barry costume? When does he wear Barry's costume? Well. He doesn't wear Barry's costume, but he, he cuts his he, he he eyeballs and wears a brighter red like Barry. When this series started, he was wearing Barry's costume. Yeah. And he updated his costume in issue 50, I think. But he then changed it again to be more like Barry's, but keeping his belt the same. When? From, I don't know, but he has it for a really, really, really long time, up until a rebirth where he changes it back into this. Oh, right, okay. I'll take your word for that, because obviously I'm still only at issue 80. Yeah. In my read through of this. But when I get there, I'll let you know if he changes his costume. Uh, oh, there's an advert for the Legacy of Superman. Duh. What's that? Which I just read this week. Which one was that? Uh, it's the one where what the rest of Metropolis is up to after Superman's died. Oh, Come on, the very next page, there's an advert for World Without a Superman. You should listen to From Crisis to Crisis. A right. Superman podcast. Or I could read it. Because they're just talking about this. Which I have to. Okay. Uh, page nine. Wally's still not convinced this is Barry. Even when he sees Barry vibrate through a wall. Wally's, Wally's been having trouble doing this. Has he? Yes. Mm. It has been a common thread throughout the past 70 odd issues of this book. Right. That there are certain things he can't do that Barry could do. And Vicky yeah. Verke. There was a point, I think, where his, his speed was killing him. When he used it. Yeah. So, you know. Page ten best turn the page though, so I can have a look at what I'm talking about handsome Jack so named because he's so vain he probably thinks the show is about him checks his hair after riding the ferris wheel amusingly his big tough guards stand behind him looking a bit green after being on the ride mm. which I thought was quite amusing uh, page 11 Jack actually says forget about it which is hysterical I love the way it's spelled <laughs> F-U-H-G-E-D-D-A-B-O-W-D-I-T <laughs> It's just one of those things in comic. It's just one of those things. Uh, page 12 and 13. <laughs> Wally says that it'd be easy for him to get the sniper down to him, but he still runs up the roller coaster to knock the dude off to run back down and catch him. 
Yeah, but then he vibrates, destroying the roller coaster. But he pretty much says he can't be bothered running up to get him. Yeah, so we see him running, running up, to up get the him roller coaster to knock him off, to knock him, to him back down to grabbing him. Yeah. Hmm. I hadn't considered that. You're a bit right, though. Yeah. And why can he not be bothered, given that it probably took him a point one of a second <laughs> to actually do that? Uh, page fourteen witnessed the flash vibrating his head through the wall in panel two which is beyond cool yeah it makes it look a bit creepy though well that works well doesn't it Mm. for what happens later on in the story Mm. page 19 which is after the fighting at Feitenstein is all finished is really affecting Barry visits his wife's grave Um, did he really propose on the ferris wheel Is is that true I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, I also like the nod to the fact that Barry Allen, the fastest man alive, was always late, mm. which was a little character bit that they always had, which was quite funny. Um, there's always a graveyard scene, though, isn't there's there? There's always a graveyard scene. But after seeing this, I was confused as to when Iris came back. Now, she's in Final Crisis, which we covered last week. Yes. Well, the week before. But I'm not sure how she came back or when she came back. Well, she must come back soon, mustn't mm. she? And uh, page 22, I thought, was a, a nice little comparison. So not only the costume, but how they run. Mm. See, Barry stood up straight and looks like he's jogging, similar to the cover of Showcase 4. Yeah, oh, yes, yes, it is very good. Whereas Wally's leaning forward and looks like he's putting more effort into running, which is similar to the Battlestar Galactic comics by Dynamite, where in the modern series, the Vipers are fast and sharp and do cool stuff whereas in the classic series the chunkier and move like they did in the series yeah. well see I get from that Wally would have to put more effort into to keep up with Barry Yeah. so you're probably right Barry's probably just jogging along at Mot 1 there mm. and Wally's kind of running flat out to keep up with him because it is established quite early on Barry is a lot faster than Wally very good indeed. Uh, page 22 is a really good splash page of Barry and Wally racing through Central City with the New Year fireworks. Firewalks. Firewalks <laughs> with me. The fireworks. Firewalks with me. Exploding in the background. And it ends a really sweet and terrific issue. Barry's back like he never left and the audience's reaction is taken by Wally, who is our avatar. Is this Barry? Is he really back? Or is it, as Barry himself says on page 20, a cruel trick? A cunning ruse. An elaborate ruse. An elaborate ruse. We'll just have to wait and see. And this really is the best kind of mystery. We wanted Barry Allen to be back. We really did. And Wally wants him to be back. Is it too much to hope for? One for Batman Returns, the Nintendo game. Oh, wow. Oh, indeed. Wow. Um, the Legacy of Superman, we've already mentioned, which have just been covered on From Crisis to Crisis as you hear this. Double Dragon 3. The Batman Adventures comic, based upon the TV show, which boasted awesome art by the late, great Mike Parabek. And the TP collection of Batman Shaman, which was fine but not Denny O'Neill's best work on the character. Uh, I looked ahead at the letters for this in issue 77, and everyone seems really happy to have Barry back. Fair enough. Yes. Isn't 77 the last 
Yes, I, I read the letters to see what people said about issue 74. So when we find out the end people, there's that, that's when we see the letters for Barry's return. Yeah. Letters pages are four, three or four issues behind. Sounds a bit funny, actually. Snail mail before the internet. Wasn't instantaneous. People say they like Barry's return when the last In the issue that they're reading, where yeah. they find out what they find out, yes. Hey, my gum. Ruined it. No, we've not. Well, we are going to. Flash 75 came out on February 9th, 1993, and has three flashes running up a wall smiling. I can't remember the last time we had a superhero cover where everyone was smiling. Barry Allen is back, screams the cover, and nothing will ever be the same again. The cover's by Ty Templeton, and it's pretty good. Templeton has a very clean, cartoony style that suits the Flash, when it's not being all about people being carved into pieces like Flash Rebirth. But I like Flash Rebirth. I didn't object. Well, I did a bit, I suppose. But I didn't what? dislike it. I just disliked the violence the in it. The opening bit. Yeah, the opening three pages. Yeah, a yeah. first-person view of him cussing people. Yeah, it's just like, was there any need for that, Mr. Johns? Johns. The all-new, all-violent, all-rapey DC. We've all read Blackest Night. Yeah. Headshot, pass Flash page. I quite like Flash Blackest Night. Flash 75 came out on February 9th, 1993, which I've already said, so I don't know why I'm doing it again. Entitled Running Behind, it's by the same creative types as last issue and because I'm a lazy bugger by and large I can't be bothered repeating that even though I just repeated the bit about the issue and the date that it came out which tells you what kind of day I've had uh, oddly although I don't consider issue 75 to be an anniversary by any means it's logical to assume that today this would probably be a double sized issue wouldn't it with one of those shiny covers. With a shiny cover. Although they did that for issue 80. Did they? They did a shiny cover for issue 80. Yeah. Uh, Wally and Jay, both known as The Flash, which I presume is why this comic has only ever been called Flash, as there's always been more than one, are trying to stop a robbery of the Federal Reserve train heading through Keystone City. It's yet another robbery by acolytes of the new crime boss mentioned last issue. They even have anti-flash weaponry such as sonic energy bazookas. Where do you buy that stuff? You don't, you have to rob it. <laughs> anti-flash weapons. <laughs> Is that a niche market? Can you only buy anti-flash weaponry in Keystone City and Central City? Whereas you can only buy anti-Superman weaponry in Metropolis. Gotta be careful where you go to with these anti-flash weaponry. <laughs> yeah. never know you may pick up pepper spray. <laughs> Oh, uh, Jay and Wally aren't doing terribly well, and it gets worse as one of the hoods fire at the tracks, derailing the train in the heart of Keystone. Those hooligans. Those hooligans. You don't have hooligans like we have hooligans, Bill. Jay and Wally try to get as many pedestrians out of the way as possible, but the train careens towards a school. Isn't that always the way? Of course, if this isn't a cue for the fastest man alive, the Barry Allen Flash, then I'll be Monsieur Mahler's uncle. Barry starts pumping his arms at supersonic speeds and the train slows but doesn't stop. Jay joins in, and then Wally. Together, all three of them bring the speeding locomotive to a halt. Barry gets all the attention, which kind of vexes Wally. Back home, he mentions his concern to Linda, and she says, why not change his name? Wally's a bit miffed at the very idea, and the two of them have a laugh about it when Jay calls. The police have a lead on the fellas who hit the train. Wally leaves to help out, and as Jay arrives, they split up and look for Barry. Barry is in the alley where he reappeared, hoping for some clues as to how he was reborn. He's looking for clues as to his rebirth. At his feet, Uh. unseen, a book with the name Alan. 
The three amigos head to the warehouse. The police are already there. They hope the idea of dealing with three flashes and a fully armed SWAT team will cause them to call it a day, but they are preparing for an all-or-nothing assault. Of course, this is a comic book, so the bad guys decide the latter, which is fortunate, or this would be a really boring comic where everyone stands around and talks. Instead, the Combine, as they are called, launch the aforementioned all-out attack. The flashes move. Wally saves a few of the boys in blue from being incinerated. Jay takes the fight to them, but is nearly wiped out for his troubles, and Barry uses his powers to vibrate the ground. But the Combine manage to get a shoot of the energy weapon off at Wally, crushing him underneath the warehouse. This will be a night long remembered, cry the Combine. The night we killed the Flash. Barry explodes with anger. Wally pulls himself from the wreckage and thinks Barry is going all out due to believing him to be dead. Wally pulls Barry off the compound before he tears them apart, but hears something before he does. Something that chills him to the bone. Later that night, Wally relives the moment. Barry wasn't screaming out for Wally. He was screaming that, I'm the Flash! You hear me? I'm the Flash! It's all very exciting, isn't it? Pages one through seven. This is how you start a superhero comic book. The action here is really fast-paced, and Wally's narration really helps sell just how dire the situation is. Fast-paced, is it? Yeah, you like that. You like all these little speedy jokes I'm putting in. I thought so. Uh, There's some wonderful dialogue on page six, where Barry's running towards to stop the train from hitting the school and he's doing that really cool thing with his hands where he's moving his hands really really fast tornado hands yeah tornado hands to create a tornado that will slow down the train and Wally whines that joining in with this is a stupid idea because Jay's now joined in and he's got his whole life ahead of him and this is a stupid plan and as plans go this isn't exactly up there with Operation Overlord but he still joins in anywhere and they stop the train they do. Which is very good. The train that's about to crash into a school of a school full of students. Yes. Oh no! Which, which, <laughs> which uh, reminds me of that episode of Justice League Unlimited where there's a car about to crash into a bus full of nuns. <laughs> and there's also a little bit where Wally says that Jay's faster. Funny how this will change in a few issues. Well, that's a key part of the story. Yeah. Wally is actually the slowest of the people to call himself the Flash. And this again has been something that was in the earlier issues. Again, something that's coming from let's tone down the fact that we're doing a superhero book. DC went through this phase after Crisis on Infinite Earths where they thought, let's depower everybody, apart from Batman, who will make much cooler than he was before. And it's... uh, It makes sense. Yeah, I suppose it does. Page 8. Wally being a little bit jealous of Barry is a lovely little human touch. He's happy to see Barry back, but, you know... Still sealing some of his thunder, isn't he? Which continues on to page nine, where he moans a bit about it to Linda, showing what a good writer he is. In Wade's hand, this doesn't come across as maudlin self-pity like it would have done in the first 40 to 50 to 60-odd issues of the book whenever Mark Wade took over. Rather, a conversation between two adults about something important to one of the parties involved. Uh, There's a really cool scene of Wally cooking and using his powers in interesting ways, and panel one and two have some great dialogue. This is a really well-written scene that continues on to the next page with some humorous banter about Wally changing his name. Uh, and then he gets quite annoyed with Linda and unleashes the tickle monster on her. Mm. 
Who amongst us haven't unleashed a tickle monster at one time or another? Well, see Linda's wearing a, a very small top and no bra. Oh, do you know she's not wearing a bra? Well, the, the, the panel in question, which I'm going to mention, that one there... Where, where he's, he's sliding her ha- his hand up her top to... Oh, right, yeah. ...to her, her boot. Yeah, you're absolutely right, yeah. So, see how I read that with her on the floor and him on top of her and his hand moving up her top? I'm, I'm guessing that Jay's phone call was what kept this a family title. Yeah, well, it's barely a family title from that shot, though. Mm. Yes, okay, fair enough. You're quite correct. Did you giggle? I did. <laughs> oh, you boobies. Side boob. Oh, <laughs> That's dear. side boob, do you? Now, page 13. The art isn't terribly clear on the last panel of this page. Um, is it a book with the name Alan on it, or was it something else? You can't quite make it out, though. Of course, we now know, mm. because we've read the whole story what uh, it is. See, I probably think you're reading into it too much. I mean, there's no way... There would be a book with Alan on it in the exact spot where Barry came back. Whoa, well, we'll see if you're willing to put money on that. Uh, page five, page 15. Page 15, the combine coming out with a huge sonic tank is awesome. And who knows, it may have been enough to take out one Flash, mm. but probably not three. Well, it reminds me a bit of a Metal Gear Solid parody called Metal Gear Awesome. Where he's he's warned of all these dangers, but they come out and absolutely kick his ass. And, <laughs> and, and then after the second time, he's dead. He's like, "Oh great, what next? Is it going to be a massive tank just comes out and absolutely pawns me?" And then a massive tank comes out and absolutely pawns him. So then it's like, "Hey, hey, snake, a tank's going to come." Out. Oh, shut up! I'll take your word for it. I've never seen Metal Gear awesome. And I just hurt my wrist. And you just hurt your wrist being all dramatic. You have to fall off your chair like you used to. Uh, page 16, the Combine asks for the total surrender of the Flashes. And the Flash says, like hell. I do like in the top panel of the page, only Wally's smiling. Yeah. Barry and Jay are taking it quite seriously and Wally's like, this is going to be fun. Uh, again, the final few pages uh, are a textbook way of handling action and building suspense in a comic book. The art is crisp and clear, the colouring not muddy or distracting, and the writing solid and engaging. The tension is palpable. And then there's a sucker punch ending. There's a really nice subtle touch in the art as well. The top of Wally's mask is torn off at the end, giving him a similar look to his Kid Flash outfit. My only complaint, it's not made clear if Barry knows Wally heard him on the bottle on page 21. But this could be a deliberate ambiguity to be followed up in the next few issues. And, of course, there's the ending. Is that really something Barry Allen would say? No. Has the resurrection done something to it? It certainly seems out of character, doesn't it? It does. Again, I peeked at the letters page for issue 78 and everybody's reaction to this issue. Everyone's still happy to have Barry back. Mm. Even with him being like this. Even with him being like this. But now they're going, I wonder what's wrong with him. Uh, again, some good adverts. An advert for Fire in the Sky, a film written by Sturf at the Next Generation writer and Sliders creator Tracy Torme. And starring Peter Berg, who directed Hancock. Okay. He was an actor before he was a director. The first full page ad for Nightfall, which is a storyline we've had mm. some dealings with. I really like that cover. It is, it's very good, isn't it? Nightfall. Batman is going where he's never gone before. Africa. (laughs) Fair enough. 
<laughs> need a bat wing for that. Oh, dear me. Danger Trail, which I've never bred, but has a great art, though, by um, Paul Galaser. The interior art was by Carmine Infantino and Frank McLaughlin, so it wouldn't look like that, but Paul Galaser's cover's quite cool. King Faraday. King Faraday. A name like that, because it sounds like King Faraday. Yeah, very good. The, the Dark Stars, there's an advert for. There's a great ad for Hardware, which I really enjoyed at the time, and a general milestone ad for Hardware and Blood Syndicate number one. In addition, there's a DC Universe page, plugging the Legionnaires. You know, I could probably care less about if I tried, but I'd have to try very hard. <laughs> and um, the Flash boot we just read, which is fair enough, and Mike Carlin's many appearances on TV talking about the death of Superman, and a two-page letters column. So in addition to getting to a book that took me more than two minutes to read, you get a two-page letter column and a bullpen bulletins style page. Uh, we'll take a break there and plug somebody else's show because we're, we're really nice like that. Mm. And we'll be right back. The series is legendary. Known the world over. I think it's only fair that I should warn you guys. You don't stand a chance against me. Undoubtedly one of the greatest Japanese franchises of all time. Created in 1989 by Hiro Toriyama, the success of this manga and anime series continues to thrive today. But it won't be too much longer before Goku gets here. What's a Goku? Filled with action, humor, and drama, this influential work is rightfully regarded as one of the greatest Eastern series ever made. You ready, Gohan? This is the podcast that's coming. Welcome to the end of your life, and I promise it's going to hurt. Join me, Diamond Morgan Grant, and my co-host, Jesse Garrett. What is it? As we take you... There's no stopping you! This whole planet's going up in smoke! ...into the next dimension. The Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. That's over 9,000, coming soon. On May 30th, 2011, DC Comics announced the historic renumbering of all their superhero titles, and the internet broke in half. Critics and naysayers abounded. Confusion reigned across fandom. What'll I do? What'll I do? What an unusual view. Not to mention the first reactions to the Supergirl costume. I hated her so much. It, it, the, it, flame, flames, flames on the side of my face, breathing, breath, heaving breaths, heaving. But then the books actually hit. And opinions... He likes it! He likes it! Opinions began to change. 
The New 52 Adventures of Superman is a monthly podcast where John Wilson, J. David Weider, and Michael Kaiser take a look at each of the adventures of Superman and his family of characters in Action Comics. You know the deal, Metropolis. Treat people right, or expect a visit from me. The Superman who appeared six months ago could hurdle skyscrapers and toss trucks around. Now it's faster, now it's stronger. How soon before it can't be stopped? Superboy. If resolving a situation for him is going to get me out from under these people once and for all, that's a small price to pay for freedom. Release the Superboy. Supergirl. Okay. Giant metal creatures. Falling from the sky. Speaking in clicks and beeps. Father would love this dream. And Superman. You could do so much good. We could do so much good. I am doing good, Lois. Clark's such a loner. Never really lets anyone get close to him. The new 52 Adventures of Superman. Available the first of every month on iTunes and at new52superman.libsyn.com. And we're back. In black. Dinner. Da, 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 da. It's like we never went anywhere, isn't it? Mm. It's really good how that works. It is. I'm very impressed with it. Uh, Flash 76 has a really effective cover by Ty Templeton, all black. It contains blue writing. You are about to experience the most tragic day in the life of Wally West. As Wally sits alone in the middle of the cover, it's a wonderful pastiche of Flash 184 from 1968. This came out on March 16th, 1993 and is entitled Identity Crisis. Again, there's no difference to the creative team. It is nothing to do whatsoever with the Identity Crisis series that would follow. So, is it is this day more tragic than the day after choose which of his children would die? Or more tragic than the day his and his children and his wife had to disappear in the speed force so none of them die? Or more tragic than... <laughs> the, is there a, the, the list goes on, does it? There's a bit, yeah. It's more tragic... Up until this point. Ah. We're not to say it's the most tragic day so far. Right. Was that a Bar Simpsons gag? Uh, this was the worst day ever. No, 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 son. It's your worst day ever so far. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, beginning with a flashback come character study as Wally relives the last few issues through the prism of nervousness that the return of Barry makes him redundant, we quickly speed up to date. As Wally notes that Barry's behaviour has been completely erratic of late, even borderline paranoia. Wally makes a mental note to speak to Jay, but even he hasn't been around for a few days. He receives a letter from the Piper that the Combine may have a HQ in the Broom Building, and off he races, spooking the mailman as he goes. Over at the taping of the Quick Start infomercials, Jay Garrick is meeting with Johnny Quick, saying that it's happening. Quick says he's there for him, and they may need Max. Jay is way ahead of him. Wally and Barry race over to the address supplied by the Piper. Of course, it's a trap! The Flashes are trapped in a shrinking force field that will ultimately squeeze the life out of them. Max is working at the subway collecting tokens. Jay and Johnny show up, but Max denies even being there. Jay tricks Max into revealing himself, not in that way, and he reluctantly agrees to join Johnny and Jay. Using pseudo-comic book science, Wally and Barry instigate an escape using Barry's ability to vibrate, which, remember, Wally doesn't have. This leaves Wally stranded inside the bubble and Barry refuses to rescue him. Wally freaks as Barry tells him that Barry Allen will soon be remembered as the man who destroyed Central City. 
Wally's panicking. Everything he did was to honour Barry. Barry says that was a huge mistake and he leaves Wally to his death. Wally, however, has maintained the same frequency that Barry used to escape, and he manages to duplicate it long enough to pull himself free of the force field. Later, Wally arrives home to see Barry in the evening news announcing that Wally West is dead. Page one through four, textbook handling of exposition and recap without slowing down the story. Nice nod to John Broom as well. Mm, it also shows that Wally has a hard hat mask. Well, either that or the artist is lazy. Why? Because he's, he's hard hat mask, which, which keeps perfect form. Of oh head. yeah, on the bottom of page three. But then when you turn to page four, he's, he's got it just curled up as a proper cowl on the back of his head. Yeah. So that's a bit inconsistent, isn't it? Indeed. Indeed it is. I do like the Pied Piper's logo, though. Where, is it? Where it's a P and then a pipe. <laughs> I like that the Pied Piper has letter-headed paper. Yeah. <laughs> that's really... I noticed that before. Oh, dear me. Page five. He's making an infomercial on videotape. Do you remember when videotapes of TV shows and films cost a shed load of money? I just remember videos. And now you can get them on DVD for three quid. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Uh, page six, I only have a vague knowledge of Johnny and Jesse Quick, and by that I mean I know the names. So I have no clue if this is their first appearance or if they have previous. I have no recollection of them being in this flash run since I started reading it, but it may have been in one of the annuals that I don't have. Uh, aside, I could look this up. But it's a fine line in these things between not knowing something and then passing it off as if you do. Uh, I'd rather acknowledge that I don't know because apparently that is the start of wisdom. And a large comics collection. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm quite fond of uh, Johnny Quick and Max Mercury from uh, Rebirth. Right. Also, Johnny was a member of All-Star Squadron. Oh, was he? Yep. Ah, right, okay, fair enough. That would explain why I don't know who he is. Page seven. For some reason, I really like seeing the Flash run on water. I don't know why, I've always liked that. Fair enough. Like a stone skips across the surface of the water if you throw it fast enough. I love that. I like that the Flash can do that. Um, the, the, the bad guy in this, mm. who's the big bad guy they find in the building, yes. is a, a milestone bad guy. Is he? He's hopped right out of a milestone comic to rain terror on the Flashes. Milestone's when he started. I know, I'm joking, because oh, if, right. if you compare milestone to him... Either looks like he's out of there or just some bad 90s bad guy. I'd, I'd be more likely to go for badly dressed 90s bad guy. Probably. To be honest. I mean, it. is that his hair or is it co- a bit of a costume? I don't know. Has he got a big ponytail coming out the back of his bald head? Because that's never a good look. One of those defi- the gravity defying ponytails. Yeah, those gravity defying po- ponytails. <laughs> yes, and he's wearing lots of armour. And that cape <coughs> is really puffy, isn't it? Mm. Hanging from his I think, sleeve. I think we call, call those gay capes. Do we? We do not. Are you being derogatory towards the cape? Of course not. Good. That's fair enough. He, he could do with hiding it and, you know, making it straight. He could, yes. Page nine, the villain quotes Moonraker villain Hugo Drax. Oh, God, Moonraker. Yeah. He must be a bad 90s bad guy. Well, will you, we'll put you out of our misery, which is from Moonraker. Take Mr. Bond. Put him out of my misery. Moonraker has some really good lines in it, despite not being a very good film. Sure. It's, it's, it has some very funny funny lines. At least I think it does. Uh, page 12, second Quicksilver gag in two issues. Is it aimed at 
Marvel Quicksilver is Yes! Uh, uh, but it's also acknowledging that one of them was called Quicksilver when he appeared in old comics in the 40s. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of Marvel DC, I was in uh, graphics today and there was a box there with a big Superman logo on it and then in the bottom corner it said copyright Marvel and I almost ripped it up. Oh dear me, fanboy moment. Fanboy rage! Mm. Uh, page 12, panel 3. Yeah. Well, with all our previous jokes, Jay does look look a bit like a flasher here. He he, he's, he's wearing a trench coat, and from yes. the looks of it, no pants. He, do, he, is, he, he is wearing pants. It just the colouring does make it look like he isn't. Because he's got his costume on underneath, but he is wearing a flasher mat. Which is which is kind of appropriate, I suppose. Mm. Uh, page thirteen. I really like the scene between Max Mercury again. Someone I know very little about. He ends up training Bart Allen, doesn't he? Does in he? Impulse. Mm. Like, I've only got the first eight issues of Impulse. I'm planning on getting more. Impulse. Yeah. Really? No, Ed wrote it. Okay. So I got them in the fifty p bins as well at the comic mart I just went to last Saturday. Even issue one. Yeah. Mm. Issue one's in the fifty p bins. It's very reminiscent of the relationship between Barry and Wally. And I love the dialogue in page and panels three and four, where he's on about you owe me. Nineteen forty-nine, the Screaming Skull. You swore you wouldn't call that one in unless it was matter of life and death. What does that tell you then? Mm. Which I thought was really good. I liked that. Very good. Uh, page fourteen. I love that how Wally and Barry escape is comic book pseudo science, but it's believable comic book pseudoscience in that it makes perfect sense within the confines of the story I'm not saying it's realistic (laughs) realism and believability are two completely different things I can believe this whilst acknowledging at the same time there's no way in God's green earth this is realistic Mm. but I quite enjoyed it page 15 Wally not being able to vibrate like Barry has been a staple in this book since the start, but Wade, being a good writer, also sets it up in this story arc and reinforces it here without it ever feeling expository or forced. It doesn't do like that thing that, remember, you can't vibrate, can you, Al? Can you, Wally? And the audience is going, gee, I wonder if this is going to play out into the story at some point. Ah, I just remembered I cannot vibrate. <laughs> and therefore I am in trouble now, and I'm about to die. Oh, no. People don't trust me because I used to be Parallax. People still don't <laughs> trust me because I used to be Parallax. I could not vibrate through walls. Because I, I used parallax. to be Parallax. <laughs> well, did you know that the Flash did turn into Parallax? Oh, God, when did the Flash turn into Parallax? I think it was a blackest night time. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, page 15, I've already said that. Page 16 is the turning point in the story. Wally has been concerned for Barry's well-being for a few issues now. And here we see the mentor leaving the protégé to die. <gasps> I was quite miffed at that. Were you? Mm. Was this a shock to you when you were reading it? It was. Good. I went out of my way to not have the ending to this spoiled for you, only to have it ruined at the last minute, didn't I? Only because I wanted to check if I had the right issue. Yeah, fair enough. Never mind. Um, page 20. What's he doing on the cover? What yeah. are you doing on the cover? What? Oh, that's what he's doing on the cover. Page 20. Why does Wally have to break into his own apartment? He forgot his keys. I mean, do you see any pockets in that costume? <laughs> it's a good point. It's well put. Does he not have, like, a, a pouch? Oh, oh the, like the Superman the, used to have in his cape. The wing things on his, on yeah, his ears. Yeah, he put them in the wing things yeah. in his ears, couldn't he? <laughs> that's a two-way radio in this, isn't it? Yeah. Which I didn't mind. Um... Why does the TV shrink in size between page 20 and page 22? I didn't notice. I kept switching between pages, seeing what you're on about. Look at the size of the TV, though. Yeah. 
It's really long and thin. It's like the inverse widescreen TV. And then you look on that page and it's quite, it's regular shape. Fair enough. It's, the TV has shrunk. For that matter, who turns the TV on? Maybe he left it on. It just seems to miraculously activate as Wally enters his apartment. Maybe it's a, a TV that opens when turns Maybe it's a TV opens. that's tuned into the Exposition News Network, copyright oh, yeah. Michael Baylor, so that as soon as a character who needs to know something that's on the news walks past, that automatically comes on. That's ah, you need to know this for purposes of plot, Wally. I'm sure that was a uh, future armor gag. Was it? When they turn the TV on, it's like, ah, the, the world's being destroyed. Has anyone else noticed that we always turn the TV on at the right times? <laughs> so it's not just us that's noticed that. Okay. Um, of course, these are all just nitpicks in an otherwise excellent issue. Hell, an excellent story that just keeps ramping up the tension. Am I uh, reading into it too much? So you see the last page where he's sat on the couch? Yeah. All the lines around him, is that him still vibrating from when he was escaping? Or is he just, like, shaking up? Um, it could work both ways. Mm. You can you can accept that he's still vibrating at the speed of light, if you want to. Um, I thought this was really good. Why why has he left the front door up? I thought he lived in an apartment. No, he doesn't. He lives in a house, doesn't he? Anyway, um, why is Barry being such a doofus? What's Jay up to, and how will Wally react to it? Is this the beginning of a nervous breakdown for the third fastest man alive? Uh, this is a really well-written scene at the end of this issue, with Wally throwing his Flash costume in the bin, a la Spider-Man 50. Uh, it's been an excellent three issues, from a really excellent run. Again, if you want to look into it, there's a subtext here of the problems with hero worship, and how they can blind you to the truth, and an analysis of how learning that a previous hero has feet of clay can lead to crushing disappointment. I also feel I haven't given enough love to the art. Whilst Greg, Gleg, Greg LaRock was not a favourite of mine based on his run on Spider-Man a few years prior to this. His work on this series has been phenomenal and it's just got better since Wade took over. So what did you think of it so far? The story of the art. Both. I liked it so far, but I preferred the last three issues to the first three. Did you? Because... Like I said, I like seeing... I've been in previous episodes, I like seeing something different. So seeing Barry how he is in the last few issues... What, cracking up? Yeah. Seemed quite good compared to the really nice guy I've seen in the current issues. Well, you have to have the setup before you can have the denouement. Oh, yeah. And Wally... Wally. Wade does mention in the last issue of the story arc in his text piece in the letters page that mm. it got truncated, didn't it? Yeah. They had planned on having a couple more issues... And a subplot of Barry wandering around dazed that they didn't do anything with because they didn't have the time. So there would have been a bit more of that if he'd had the time. There's no letters page this issue, so there's a few extra ads. Panic in the Sky, the Superman storyline gets a trade. Icon issue one is out, which is really good. The Atom has a special drawn by Steve Dillon. And Luther fills the void left over by the death of Superman in the one-shot Supergirl and Team Luther, which I also read this week. Did you? Yeah, I'm keeping up with From Crisis to Crisis. It's not that. I've not read that. It's good, Team Luther. I got it in the 50p bin this very weekend. All right, that'll be why then. Uh, oh, and Nightfall continues. Nightfall part two. Amygdala versus Batman. Or Amygdala, how you say it. Well, the death of Superman, Nightfall, and the return of Barry Allen all in the same month. Mm. This is a good time to be reading DC comic books. I think now. Even even now. <laughs> even 20 years later. It's still a good time to be reading them. 
It's a good time to reading DC Comics in general now, do you think? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I think there's the odd comic you should skip out, Catwoman. But overall, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good new start, I think. Okay, fair enough. Uh, very briefly, Green Lantern 40 came out here. It's not in the trade paperback, as far as I can determine, which reprinted this issue. The trade paperback's out of print. Is it? The Return of Barry Allen, yeah. Is it just that good? They probably just don't want it stepping all over Flash Rebirth, do they? Um, it is referenced in the issues we'll be covering next week, so we're going to give it a cursory mention. Written by Gerard Jones, with art by Claude St. Orbin and Romeo Tanghal, GL shows up in Central City after hearing about Barry attacking Central City to see him attacked by a Dark Star. There's a brief fight as Green Lantern tries to stop Dark Star, but Barry escapes. There's then three pages of info dump of subplots concerning what's been happening in GL's own boot that we needn't bother with, and GL spots Barry heading to the Flash Museum. There's loads of fighting and exposition before the Dark Star bloke shows up again and the Flash makes them think that he's dead. <sighs> and in the totally pointless crossover bracket, we have a winner! Uh, whilst the destruction of the Flash Museum will play quite importantly into the rest of the story, this was a bit of a waste of time. Um, the art in the book's not as good as the Flash, and the writing wasn't quite as tight, and Wade gets no credit for being involved, and G- Green Lantern is really busy, judging by the amount of exposition thrown on the reader here, and the ending makes no sense. Hal knows that Barry's pulled this faking his own death with super speed trip before and just leaves anyway. Well, let the people of Central City deal with it, he says. So why bother showing up at all? And is this was this why Barry was killed off? Because he's a square goody two-shoes. And what exactly is wrong with that? Not everyone has to be dark and gritty. I've read the first year of the post-crisis Green Lantern and enjoyed it, but this wasn't a particularly good issue, simply because if I was a Green Lantern reader, I'd have been miffed by this issue treading water to show us the Flash. And if I was a Flash reader, I'd been miffed at this was superfluous and I've just spent money on something I didn't need to buy. Uh, that's probably why it's not in the trade paperback. Uh, Sean Engel will probably be covering this at some point in the future on just one of the guys, his Green Lantern podcast. And maybe when I've read it in context with the rest of what was going on with Green Lantern at the minute, I'll enjoy it more. Well, but as a part of this storyline, it doesn't need to be read. Ten issues down the line. What is? Ten oh, ten issues from now, Barry Allen will Barry Allen will no longer be Green Lantern. <laughs> no, Andrew, he won't. And never was. He'll be a Blue Lantern at some point. He will. Yes, that's very, very true. Uh, also, we'll give a quick plug to Dave Walker's Flash Legacies because he's co- he's a Wally West podcast. So we've covered both of our bases there. Next week we'll be looking at the final three issues of this storyline, which is awesome. Even Michael thought so. It was alright. Well done, good. I'm, I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Chewy take the professor in the back and plug him into the hyperdrive. Uh, and while he does that, we'll be back next week for more shiny comic book goodness. Okie dokie. Bye! That was very badly of me, wasn't it? <laughs> Let's do that again. <laughs> Bye! 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 Hello! Oh, stop with that! God damn. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.
Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production, and all opinions expressed by Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and probably not to be taken too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are copyright the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money for this, much to their chagrin. New episodes drop every Thursday at apleyland.podomatic.com, but you can also listen through our Facebook page, which you can friend us on by using Hey Kids as the first name and Comics as the second name. You can also listen on our website, where you can also view the covers of the comics we've covered this week. That's www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. If you have an opinion on our opinions, you can email us on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks.com, where you can drop by and say hello if you're allergic to email. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.